We'd like to give a shout out to listener Tom and Brenda Kay. Thank you for your letters. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the PSE Lunchroom and Stamp Show here today, studios, we are back. Back in studio. It feels good to be back and not trying to do this all over the internets, although we do have an internet crew based today. This is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 257, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Tony. This is Becca. This is Dawn. And unfortunately, we're missing Stan. He uh, he decided that work was more important than joining us today. Oh, oh. what a what a chump. <laughs> How foolish. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we received an actual handwritten letter in the mail from Dan and he writes Hey guys, love the show. I recently bought 21 and a half cent Harding stamps, all with different pre-cancels. They are not worth much, but I think they are really neat, and it got me thinking. Do people collect early U.S. stamps with different pre-cancels? Or how about collecting cancels? This seems like a fun hunt, and also potentially a cheaper way to collect. My second question is, where does someone go to research all the different cancels and pre-cancels? Thank you, Dan. Well, first place, if you're interested in pre-cancels, is I would try the Pre-Cancel Stamp Society, PSS. Uh, I believe they do have a web presence, and they do publish a catalog about every five or ten years. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not well, as it much for... Well, doesn't change much. Most, most of the pre-cancels yeah. have been discovered by yeah. now. Yeah, there's minor pricing updates. Um, they're very... There's a lot of pre-cancels, and only there's probably a handful of really expensive ones, uh, especially in the bureau types. Well, um, most people collect the bureau types. Well, there's there's two different. You have the bureau types and the local types, and then you also have silent pre-cancels, which are primarily on older classic era stamps. So if you're looking at 20th century, you're not going to get as many silent pre-cancels and a silent pre-cancel is just a pre-cancel on a stamp where the town is not identified it might be identified somewhere else on the cover so that you would know where it would come from and they do have a silent pre-cancel catalog it could be just a uh, a line or two lines or a star it could be a star things like that but um like i said it doesn't identify the town on the stamp and that's why they call it a silent pre-cancel because it doesn't tell you where it came from. Yeah, so the bureau pre-cancels are the ones that are mostly collected because there are records of which ones are done. Uh, there's a book on it. If you listed every single pre-cancel that was done, I mean, you know, you have these little dinky post offices that produced them. They were official, but they weren't like, Let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, they were official like 5 instead of official like 8 or 9. 
whereas the bureau pre-cancels, they have records of them. The Chicago wrote to the print, uh, the U.S. Post Office and said, send me 10,000 stamps with Chicago, Illinois on it. And they did it, and then they kept all the records so people know it. So generally speaking, bureau pre-cancels are what people collect or the really early stuff, the the experimental issues and things like the, uh, in my opinion, one of the most valuable pre-cancels is the Glen Allen star. And it is just a star. It doesn't have the name on it. We know it's Glen Allen because we found it on cover. But the, uh, the bureau pre-cancels are mostly what you're going to want to, uh, collect if you're going to collect these or if you just want to like collect your hometown then go for it whatever you want uh, another thing that the pre-cancel catalogs will tell you is it'll tell you which cities had lots of different stamps with their pre-cancel on it and which ones uh only had one or two and um one of the things that I have trouble with the pre-cancel catalogs is they're arranged by state and city, and there's no way to sort. So if you collect a single issue like um, the Harding, the Black Harding Memorial 610 with the pre-cancel on it, there's no way to sort through and find out all the towns that that particular stamp had. You have to you have to look up each city and state and then look for Scott number six ten, so that's that's one part of the functionality of the catalog that I'm, um, I struggle with, because a lot of times I'll I'll have a, a stamp or a stamp issue, like I like to collect the Americana series, and I would like to collect all of the pre cancels on the just the Americana series, well there's a lot of other stamps that have pre cancels other than that series and not every town listed in the catalog has a stamp from that series with a pre-cancel on it so i have to sit there and go through and make my own list which is uh fairly time consuming actually incredibly so <clears throat> well and yeah that um the full set is what three three small volumes it's, well it, it, uh, the one i have is from the 1995 i think 1990 or 1995 and uh, that came in a six by nine format, so it fits in a small size three ring binder. And I have uh, one inch binders. I have two binders for the lo uh, locals and one for the bureau. Is or it two? The, it, I think it's the around. other way around. I think it's one local and two bureau. Okay. Um, but anyway, it, it fits very nicely into three volumes, and I can probably squeeze it into two if I wanted to. Well, one of the tough things is, <clears throat> first of all, the can uh, the stamps were that were pre-canceled were the common stamps of the period. Generally, so let's pick a like the I don't know some one cent stamp that they printed three and a half billion of. Well, the cities each did that, so the the Scott's catalog lists that one stamp. But there may be 800 cities that pre-canceled that stamp. So you have, in the Scott's catalog, you have one number. In the pre-cancel catalog, you have 800 numbers. So you can see how this would multiply very, very quickly. Very few people try to get every single pre-cancel, bureau pre-cancel, because there are just so many of them. 
Now, the good part is, like I said, they are almost all on in, uh, common stamps. Very rarely are you going to find an expensive stamp that has a pre-cancel on it. And I mean expensive like you'll have, you know, the 573, the uh, li- uh, the Liberty, the $5 Liberty stamp. There are some pre-cancels on that. But that's about as expensive as you get. Now, from a scarcity standpoint, there are some because, you know, a city would have ordered, you know, a hundred pre-cancels for some weird reason and then used them on the mail. So there may only be a very small handful of them in collector's hands. Well, you do have some that can potentially be expensive with some of the varieties that exist. Um, Thinking the win the war issue. Yeah. Where you can get the cancel from... Los Angeles, Fremont, Ohio, and St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Yep. And many of those are a shade variety that actually makes that a relatively expensive stamp. And, yeah, and, and as the footnote explains, not all pre-cancels are the same value either. There were way more Los Angeles than there were Fremont and St. Paul. St. Paul's the most expensive. But, I mean, I just did... Well, the Saint reason Paul. I think about this is I just did a block of four of Fremont, Ohio, that looked right, and those things are like twenty five hundred a piece. Saint Saint Paul, Minnesota, was also um, only added to the catalog in the last few years. It was not uh, one of the. I remember a number of years ago that uh, the catalog only listed Fremont, Ohio, and Los Angeles. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth paying attention to um another thing is a lot of times you'll see an ad there's an ad in the scott catalogs i see that has a uh, one cent or a one and a half cent prexy with a a certain pre-cancel on it that uh you know in the if you go by the scott catalog that's you know it's going to be 25 cents and if you go by the pre-cancel it's going to be 150 dollars so there are some rarer towns out there well here's one that i have always looked for because i enjoy this thing is they started on the washington franklin heads and they call them experimental pre-cancels and they're listed in the scotch catalog some are you Uh, find some in the postage dues as well yeah and uh they're from springfield massachusetts um new orleans and uh, augusta maine i believe those are the three and they are listed in, you know, they're worth 25 to uh, $150 each. And they're not very, you can find them. You can find these when you're going through groups. One thing, let, let's define real quick how you tell a local versus a bureau is bureau pre-cancels always, always have the bar going all the way across. You have two bars and then the name of the city in between them. They're always continuous. Locals will, generally speaking, not be continuous across. However, there are exceptions. But, but most of the time, locals you can differentiate because they're in a different typeset and the bars do not go all the way across the stamp. And there's um, ro- a lot of roller cancels or pre-cancels, correct? 
Well, they look like roller cancels. Well, yeah, you have to be you have to be careful. Roller cancels can look like pre-cancels, <laughs> and a lot of times they get confused for pre-cancels. But they're not pre-cancels, right? So he was asking also about cheapness. Uh, Tony, you you sell a lot of stamps. Have you ever sold groups of pre-cancels? Currently, I put them all aside uh, for a pre-cancel collector. So you have one guy who's just hoovering up all your pre-cancels? Yes, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, I got a guy out here that does that too. Yeah. How much do you get for him when you sell them? Um, I trade them for mint hinge stamps. Yeah, so so they're not what you would call a really expensive, valuable item. Right. Yeah, I send him thousands, and he sends me a, a, some a few stamps back. <laughs> yeah, I, I was doing the same thing. I got a pre-cancel collection once that was a huge, thick binder that had thousands of stamps in it. And I think I sold it eventually for like a hundred bucks, and that's like the best price I could get for it. Well, pre-cancel collectors tend to be. Um, don't say it. Don't collectors say it. who collectors <laughs> who don't want to spend a lot of money. Okay, there you go. And uh, and which is absolutely perfectly fine. Uh, it's just you know some people. It's it's a hobby, and they're not going to spend any money on it. It's like uh, Lloyd's hobby is going to national parks. Yeah, uh, his money is spent on gas and overnight. Yeah, it's very much. You get all the history. You get to fill all the holes. You get the sense of completion. You get all the good part of collecting, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. You have a chance at finding pre-cancels, which, you know, like we said, if you pay more than a nickel for a pre-cancel, you know, you're probably paying too much. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's like collecting but, straight edges. Yeah. You can put together a very nice collection of U.S. stamps if you collect straight edges on because all these flat plate printed stamps, you know, all the Washington Franklins, they all have uh, straight edges, so... Um, you and they tend to be the bastard stepchildren. Nobody wants them, or well, I don't say nobody, but few people want them as a uh, uh, you know something to put in their album. So it it just um, you can buy them much cheaper than you can a fully perforated one, which is oddly why people reperforate stamps so yep. they can sell them for more, but. Um, but you, but you could always find a you could always find a chase in there and say you know I'm going to collect all the straight edges, but I want a left, a right, a top, and a bottom so that you can arrange them in your album correctly. Oh, I see those. You could go through corners too. Yeah, you could go through that and potentially not find one. That's like how come all I can find are left straight edges? Where are all the rights? Well, you know that that's one thing that I see a lot of times when I see a, a really nice collection of national parks you'll find that they've collected the plate blocks from all the positions or the arrow yeah. blocks from all the positions. All the center line blocks and oh, things like that. Yeah. Well, I do not collect them because I don't have enough of them, but I always pull them when I find them. I actually collect corner straight edges. Well, they have to show both guidelines, though. Exactly. Because otherwise you can sort of fake them. You know, you can take any stamp and cut it. 
but collecting corner straight edges where you can see the guideline on each edge that's like the holy grail for me and i've got a couple maybe i've got a couple dozen because there's only four stamps that could potentially be that right exactly they're they're they're, 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 they're from the they're from the center center block and yeah. you can only get one out of a sheet yeah yeah, because yeah, because the, the, the other three. If, are if the two have straight edges, the other three don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why don't you talk about mint versus? This is one that when I first started with PSE, uh, it was it was very interesting conversation. A mint versus a used pre cancel. Right now, if you're going to collect mint pre cancels, they have to have full original gum. They can be hinged, um, but they have to have full gum. Uh, preferably never hinged. And the catalog actually lists values for those, I think starting in the Prexies or right around in that, right around in the 50s, or not the Prexies, uh, the, the Liberties, right around in the, the for 1950s, 60s. Um, but the, yeah, uh, pre-cancels without gum are considered to be used because the whole point of the pre-cancel was so that it would, uh, so that uh, large mailers could skip steps in the sorting process, and canceling was one of those steps. So if you used pre-cancels, if you, you're a large mailer and you've got trays or tubs of mail going out to your customers and you use pre-cancel stamps, well, okay, now the post office doesn't have to cancel them. And so they skip that step, saves the post office work, saves you money, saves time. Yeah, they pass on the savings. Right now, they nowadays they do. Um, back in the early on, they didn't. Which brings us up to one thing that I wanted to address: Can you use pre-canceled stamps on your mail? Technically, no. Ab- actually, and technically, yes. Actually, <laughs> if you apply for a pre-cancel permit, P- PS form. 3615 mail permit application and post cons- mailing permit application and customer profile you can file one at your post office you have to pre-sort your mail and there it looks like there's an annual fee for it also that you have to pay for it there didn't used to be cuz i, no, I there, had there's one, no fee i don't yeah. think there is a fee um, yeah, but no you, if you use your pre-canceled stamps for first class and priority. Right, you have to put full value on, so you still have to put fifty-five cents on. Well, it says but you here, can use a pre-canceled ten-cent stamp. It says here, pay your annual pre-sort mailing fee. So uh, yeah. that uh, sounds like well, you got to pay something. Well, now this this particular one is free, and and where you find it when you talk to the clerk is ask them to look in their domestic mailing uh, manual uh, in section P023. And uh, you can find that online. You can actually print off the pages so they don't have to go actually dig it out. But um, And the, the form that you have to actually fill in is small. And uh, when I did it, all they did was they cut out the section of the form that I gave them uh, from the printout. And uh, and then they laminated it for me. <laughs> so but, it was like an actual license they gave you. Yeah, but one of the things, one of the criteria is you're supposed to 
hand your uh, mail over the counter at the post office that signed your form, and uh, they have to verify that you are an authorized pre-cancel stamp user. And since your form is only on file at one post office, you have to present all your mail at that post office over the counter. And that way they can verify that you're the authorized user, you can use the pre-cancel, but you still have to pay 55 cents for your mail. You can just use the service-inscribed stamps. Yeah. But the whole thing is, is, you know, I have seen postage lots where they didn't count the pre-canceled stuff. Right. And so it's literally, forget about discounts. And it can can literally be hundreds of dollars in postage. Yeah. And you get it for free. Yeah. So you fill out the form and all of a sudden that hundreds of dollars of postage actually are worth something. Right. Yeah. And if you use a lot of mail, it works. Well, Dan, thank you for uh, a good letter and leading into a very interesting topic. But uh, like we said, the uh, the pre-cancel stamp society would be kind of the the big place to go. And if you're interested, the pre-cancel stamp society's website is precancels.com. Nice and easy to remember. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, we're going to move on and we're going to discuss some topical stamp collecting. And uh, today we were going to talk a little bit about horses on stamps. And this came actually from your wife, is it? From my wife. Yeah. Because she likes horses and she collects horses on stamps. So we're going to talk about topical collecting. And uh, Becca and Don, you're both uh, big topical collectors. Uh, Why don't you go over real quick with what you collect? So I do collect animals, and horses are one of my collections, as are dogs um, and some wild animals. So this is a topic that's right up my alley. So I assume you're like a dog lover, and so you bring it over to your stamp collecting. So I have, I have, right. a, I have a question, Becca, since I'm not a topical collector. Um, does it matter what the – does the subject of the stamp have to be – the animal, or can it just be kind of in the stamp? Like, let's say you're collecting horses, and here's George Washington on his horse on a bicentennial commemorative stamp. Does that count, or does the focus and theme of the stamp have to be horses? So, for my collecting, I prefer it to be the theme of the theme of the stamp, but I do collect some that are like okay, it's a horse and carriages, so the carriage might be a lot bigger than the horse, but or it's a horse involved in a historical event, so the historical event is a lot bigger than just the horse. So, Okay, but it's not wrong to collect it either way. No, absolutely not. You collect what you like. So I have to ask, Tony, what's the name of your uh, eBay store? Barney Stamps. And who is Barney? Uh, Barney is my dog. <laughs> so, do you, so do you collect any dog stamps? I don't. Well, I thought uh, you were going to say Barney. Have a, uh, I used to have a scouting collection, and I had a uh, aviation collection that I uh, did for a friend. But uh, those are kind of went by the wayside now. 
I was thinking you were going to say Barney's a purple dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big black and white dog. Yeah, yeah you, you can't miss him if you uh, see him on eBay. He's, uh, or excuse me. You can't miss him if you uh, follow Tony on uh, Facebook. You'll see pictures of his dog every so often. So, Don, I'll ask you the question, although obviously I know the answer. He doesn't know the answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell people what – and, Don, so, Don, tell, uh, tell us what you collect for the umpteenth time. Lizards. Yeah. <laughs> Large lizards with wings. No. Dragons. <laughs> All dragons. Yeah, there is a difference, isn't there? I have a horse-related story that I just read on Facebook today. They, they wanted, when they were making the space shuttle, they wanted to make the booster engines a certain size and they couldn't because the booster rockets had to be transported by railroad and the railroad gauge is hold on i'm gonna because i want to say exactly the amount pause for just a second insert jeopardy theme music here <laughs> Or while Cash is looking, since he's going to cut all this part out anyway. Dawn, specific dragons, Eastern, Western, Chinese dragons? All, all dragons. All dragons. All dragons. See, in my, in my thing for dragons, I've always gone kind of the, the Western European kind of standard look. I haven't ever been as much into the Eastern style Chinese dragons. I find them cool, but... I don't know from from a from a dragon standpoint. To me, it was always the the European style. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like them, but I like all of them. Yep. I even have a, a, a Komodo dragon stamp. <laughs> cool. So 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 I wasn't wrong when I said lizards. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't. How about Saint George? He's supposedly oh, that's a big one. The last one, right? <laughs> so the standard gauge of a railroad track that they wanted wow. to transport their uh, rocket engines on is four feet, eight and a half inches. And you may ask yourself, why is a railroad four feet, eight and a half inches? And it's because they were making roads and the wagon wheels were four feet, eight and a half inches. So it was a standard size. It was a standard use. And you say, well, why were the wagon wheels four feet, eight and a half inches wide? Because that's how wide two horses' butts are. From <laughs> Roman times. So the Romans made their war chariots and they put their wheels four feet, eight and a half inches apart because that's the size of two horse butts. So the, the space shuttle rockets are the size they are because Roman horse butts are four 
feet, eight and a half inches apart from each other. So I just thought that was an interesting horse related story. Makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. I collect chickens. I have a chicken, chicken topical, which everybody who listens to the podcast knows from 150 different comments. (laughs) Yes. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I collect them. It has to be the main topic. However, I do have stamps from Britain from the 1990s that have KFC sock on the nose cancels. So it's also a chicken related Colonel. It's Colonel Sanders on a stamp. And that's inside of my chicken collection. Also (laughs) Colonel Sanders on a stamp with a crowbar. No, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> Colonel Sanders is the cancel, and I thought those were cool. Does the uh, thirty cent Colombian count as the first dog on stamp? Oh, that's a good question. Because I I know the thirty cent does have a little dog on it. Well, I would I would think that uh, my personal preference would be not to collect that if I was collecting dogs on stamps, just because. Uh, it's not the focus of the. I, I think, but it's I would the number one. Not in my book, it wouldn't be. <laughs> I'd have to agree. <laughs> well, I remember. Eighteen sixty-nine has a rider, horse and rider. That is true, and I'll bet you that's the first horse on stamp. Because before that, you only had people. That the was first the first horse on a U.S. stamp. I, that I'm fairly certain of. Was the Pony Express before that? No. Mm-mm. No? So the Pony Express stamps were after? Oh, yeah. Th- those were you from... have the horse and rider on the Pony Express stamps. Yeah. Actually, there are quite a few little locals, but the locals all came after 1869. Yeah. And there's a, there's a bunch of matching medicines as well. Yeah. Oh, very famous yeah, the one. the horse salve stamp. The yeah. Galvanic horse salve. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to get my wife one of those, but they're a little on the pricey side for me. Yeah. Especially in nice condition. I mean, that, that stamp in good condition is scarce, scarce, scarce. You cannot find them. Isn't there one that's got the, isn't there one with a match company? It's got a big old chicken on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's oh, a couple yeah. of them. Do you have yeah. that one? No, I don't. But I have the little one. Shout out to uh, Stan Iceland for uh, giving me a set. There were like four of them in this set. With, and actually, they were roosters, not chickens, but they still go into collection. I got an India proof. Of uh, the match and medicine stamp, the roosters. What, the, the, the horse salve? The wrist, the uh, chicken. Oh, okay, yeah. Roosters are chickens. Yeah, I know, but they're not. They just don't lay eggs. Chickens. <laughs> 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 Which, by the way, there was a you Don. Remember that YouTube we were watching with um, mailing chicks through the mail. Oh, yeah, yeah. We wanted to bring that up. What was that? It was, that was, um, it was a really old, like, from, I don't know, it was a black and white, like, documentary sort of thing. Oh. Or, like, short of the show, you know, the movie theater, when, you know, way back in the day. Can't tell what yeah. she said. I remember where it was. It was on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Of course That's it was. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, 
the special handling stamps, the U.S. special handling stamps, were specifically designed for mailers who were mailing baby chicks. Yep. Yep. So you're mailing live animals. They require special handling and maybe even a little feeding in product in uh, transit. <laughs> well, they, uh, on the MST3K, because uh, I don't know if people know about what in Mystery Science Theater 3000 is, is uh, people who are trapped in a, ro- uh, a spaceship and they have robots and they watch old movies. And, uh, and make monstrous amounts of fun to them. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't seen it, check it out, because my description does not do it anywhere close to justice. Used to be one of my favorite sisters. You know what? If you programs. don't watch it, you have to turn in your nerd card. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but they uh, had this one, and they had that, and they actually talked about how they shipped the chicks but they ship them fast enough so that after a chick is born, it doesn't have to eat for a day and a half. So they pack them up within that time period and ship them and drop them off before they had to eat again. So that and it was it was very interesting. Well, I guess that would limit the distance you could ship it. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you're going by train. Which would have been most likely the fastest and most direct way to ship. Oh, guaranteed. Well, anybody else have anything else? Not that I can think of. No, not that I can think of. Well, we do need your help. Join the podcast. Membership is $10 for a lifetime membership. We need your help to keep us going because nothing on the internet is free to do, including setting up our telephone connections. If you are an APS member, you can send us your APS number as well. Because, ad- we, are, because we are an APS affiliate. Our address is P.O. Box 539309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. Your support is very much appreciated. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 257. This was Tom. This was Scott. This was Cash. This was Mark. This was Tony. This was Becca. This is Don. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.